This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Hubble, spelt H-U-B-B-L. It fuses streaming and free-to-air TV into a single experience, which means you don't have to go in and out of apps to discover content you'll love. Hubble, it's TV and streaming made easy. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Friday the 8th of September. In your squiz today... A king-sized mess over Qatar, Albanese's bound for Beijing, hoping for a wallabies miracle, and prawn tacos for spring. This is your Squiz today. A few weeks ago, Federal Transport Minister Catherine King's rejection of additional Qatar Airways flights into Oz hit the headlines. She's now in the coalition sites over her differing accounts of what was behind the decision. And yesterday, she said at the heart of it was an incident that took place at Qatar's Hamad International Airport back in 2020. So what happened there is Qatari authorities were searching for a mother of a newborn baby who was found at the airport. And in doing that, officials removed women from their planes at gunpoint. That included 13 Australian women on a Qatar Airways flight that was about to leave for Sydney. Uh, They had forced medical examinations on the tarmac. They were checking the women to see if they had recently given birth. And at a press conference yesterday, Yesterday, King said that her decision to knock back Qatar Airways' uh, request was related to that, but she said that there was no one factor that swayed her and that her rejection of the airline's request was in the national interest, not commercial interest. When that incident happened, the federal government strongly condemned it. And since then, five of the 13 Aussie women who were involved have launched legal action against Qatar Airways and their government. This week, it came out that Minister King wrote to those women on the 10th of July. She told them the government wasn't considering additional flights by Qatar. And that was the same day that she knocked back Qatar Airways' request. It's set hairs racing because King previously said those strip searches had nothing to do with her decision. And it all feeds into questions about the Albanese government's relationship with Qantas. Yeah, so just to explain that link to Qantas, there's a claim that the Albanese government made that decision to knock back Qatar Airways in an effort to protect Qantas by lessening the competition. And King rejects that. And Qantas says that it never lobbied for that decision. But of course, Qantas has had a very bumpy ride of late. Uh, That includes claims that it sold tickets on flights that had been cancelled right through to its record profit as travellers complain about about high prices and how they are treated by the airlines. So put it all together and it's a bit of a mess. And Claire, that mess is not over yet. We'll hear from former Qantas boss Alan Joyce and his replacement Vanessa Hudson when they face a Senate inquiry into the issues later this month. And it's likely the coalition will pick it up again when Parliament resumes next week. We spoke about the Oz-China relationship and the efforts to repair it yesterday, and there's some progress on that with PM Anthony Albanese confirming a visit to Beijing in the next couple of weeks. It will make him the first Prime Minister to visit since 2016. Uh, It will also mark 50 years since Gough Whitlam first visited China to establish diplomatic ties. Uh, There had been the suggestion that Albanese would get to meet with President Xi in China this year, but 
but locking it in has been lingering for a while and Albanese was able to do that yesterday when he was formally extended an invitation by the Chinese Premier Li Xiang. Albanese saw him in Jakarta yesterday at the ASEAN summit, and they also spoke about some sensitive issues between the two countries, including the detention of Aussie journalist Chung Lei and writer Yang Hengjun. Dr Philip Lowe has given his final address as the governor of the Reserve Bank. He spent 43 years in total with the bank, not a bad innings, but the last few have been a bit bumpy, Claire. Yeah, imagine being with the one organisation for 43 years. It's a, <laughs> a very long time. And yes, his last bit of the stint has been quite bumpy. The pandemic certainly did that to some officials and it was quite a difficult kick over the last few years. It made the governor's job a very different one for what he signed on for seven years ago. Uh, yesterday, he addressed a business audience at a charity function and he spoke about the day he nearly died. It wasn't long after he was appointed governor, he found himself in intensive care with a blood clot. But very happily, he said that he finished the gig feeling reasonably fit and healthy. Uh, And on reflection, he said that he's leaving this very important job. Uh, He called for less vitriol and clickbait in the public debate. And he also said that he thought that the government provided too much support during the pandemic. He also reflected on what he said was his term-defining remark that interest rates wouldn't rise until 2024. He says hindsight is a wonderful thing. Lowe's last day is the 17th of September and that's when his successor, Michelle Bullock, will take over. Claire, this might not come as a surprise, but I imagine it's still a sore point for Sydney siders. A new study has compared cities around the world and it says that Sydney is the sixth least affordable for housing. Yeah, it's not the sort of ranking that you want to see, but this study has been done by a think tank called the Committee of Sydney, uh, also with an urban intelligence firm called the Business of Cities. If you're wondering why the Committee of Sydney wants to see a report saying that Sydney uh, is in a housing crisis and is very expensive to live in. Uh, That is because they use this sort of information to lobby the government and try and get improvement in some of these areas. Uh, Essentially what the report found is that the cost of housing is costing the city's economy about $10 billion a year. That's a lot down to lost productivity because commuter travel times with people living in the outer suburbs and having to travel longer distances for work. Uh, Also, when it comes to median property prices, it's about 13.3 times the median income of people living in Sydney. So it's a lot of money to put towards just having a roof over your head. The study also spoke about the cities that are worse than Sydney for housing affordability. Coming in front of Sydney are Hong Kong, San Francisco, Singapore, Vancouver and Tel Aviv. We talk a lot about cybercrime and hacking because almost every day there seems to be some breaking news about another big data breach. But NordVPN can help protect you online, kind of like a cyber bodyguard. It protects your personal and sensitive data while you're online to stop it from falling into the wrong hands. That way, you don't have to worry about keeping your identity and private data safe every time you log on. And even if you make a mistake and click on a dodgy link or open a suspicious email, NordVPN's threat protection will kick in and delete it before it makes a mess of your computer. To find out more and get a great discount, visit NordVPN 
sbs.com.au.vpn.com forward slash squiz today. The Rugby World Cup kicks off in France tomorrow morning, our time. But to put it bluntly, Claire, before anyone gets their hopes up, the Wallabies are not favourites to win. In fact, they're currently on a five-game losing streak. Look, it's probably not the way you would want to start a World Cup. It's not the way that we've started in the past when we've had some good success. And even the coach, Eddie Jones, summed it up pretty neatly when he says that no one thinks we can win. Uh, So he's hoping. Look, it's all upside. It's opportunity potentially (laughs) to do better than that. Um, The Wallabies are in a pretty good group. There's good hopes that we will get into the quarterfinals finals at least. So fingers crossed for that. Uh, As for the favourites for the tournament, uh, New Zealand, the All Blacks are looking pretty good. Uh, Also the Springboks from South Africa, um, they actually beat the All Blacks a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Also France, the home team, uh, and Ireland are looking pretty good as well, according to the experts. The All Blacks face off against France in the tournament opener at 5.15 Eastern time tomorrow morning. And it's probably better not to go to bed at all if you want to watch the first Wallabies game. They play Georgia on Sunday at 2am. I like your thinking, Alice. Just party on through. (laughs) Friday lights, Claire. What have you got for us today? Look, the recipes around tacos are pretty appealing at the moment. I really like Mm. those sort of limey and coriander type flavours as the weather warms up. Uh, I went to a mate's place this week and he made me some prawn and avocado tacos and the recipe is from the Sydney fish markets and it's a really good one. So we've got a link for that. I love some prawns in spring and summer. I'll pop the link to that in the episode notes today. Before we finish up, Claire, why don't you tell us about what's on Saturday Squiz tomorrow? Yep, so it's Larissa and me tomorrow and we're going to be having a bit of a chat about the Burning Man bog that, of course, got us talking a fair bit this week. There's nothing like a big festival (laughs) that doesn't quite work out. So we'll have a bit of a chat about that as well as the other news and recommendations from the week. Yep, talk about being stuck in the mud. Have a great Friday and weekend and we'll be back with you on Monday. Hi there, it's Bryce from Squiz Kids, the daily news podcast for small people. March is Women's History Month and we're celebrating over on our socials. Every weekday this month, we're throwing the spotlight on a different iconic woman from Australia's rich history. Follow us on Instagram via the handle at Squiz Kids to learn the backstories of some incredible Aussie women and together honour their legacies.